It is October 22nd and bishops from around the world have just concluded this year's Synod on the Middle East. For the last two weeks, the eyes of the world were turned to Rome for new insights on how to respond to issues in the Middle East. Now, I just returned from the Middle East, from Jordan, Palestine, and Israel, and this is what I learned. First, there are Christians in the Middle East. In fact, the combined Christian population of Jordan, Iraq, Egypt, Israel, and the Palestinian territories, Syria, and Lebanon is almost 11 million, and that includes Roman Catholics, Maronites, Greek Orthodox, Melkites, Armenian Orthodox, Copts, Syrian Orthodox, Coptic Catholic, Chaldeans, Assyrians, Greek Catholics, Anglicans, and Protestants. There have been Christians in the Middle East for 2,000 years. There are still Christians in the Middle East who speak Aramaic. Second, because of the unstable situation in the Middle East and security concerns, many Christians are leaving. Some of us may think that they are better off in North America or Europe, but consider this. What would the Holy Land look like if there are no Christians there? Third, the Holy Land is not just Israel. The Holy Land includes Jordan, Israel, the Palestinian territories, Egypt, Lebanon, and Syria. There are biblical sites in all those countries. And last, the problems in the Middle East are not because of religion. The problems in the Middle East are ideological and political. They are made worse by the West and our policies towards the Middle East as they are by the people in the Middle East themselves. The Synod on the Middle East was concerned with the mission of the church in the Middle East. The needs of Christians there are the same as Christians everywhere. How does the church minister to them and support them in their faith journey? So, as the Synod concludes, I ask you to join me in prayer for the people of the Middle East, in particular, for all the Christians there. May God, in His mercy and perfect justice, bring to perfection His plan for peace in the region. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. I'm Christian Matrenko. And as always, Mary Rose will be with us with her diocesan update. And Lawrence will bring us our Saint of the Week. And Chris, have you heard of the 40 Days for Life? Of course. Of course yeah. you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever participated in I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have participated. So, in so how was that experience for you? Um, I think it's always a, a little bit uh, intimidating for, yeah. for people if, if they don't consider themselves a natural activist but I, I think it's important yeah, yeah. I, I found it freeing in that you don't really have to do anything I mean really except just be present mm-hmm. and, 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 and it's and something silent. that anyone can do yeah. yeah now you know that that we're already on the sixth campaign it started in 2007 so in three years they do two campaigns a year it's taking place in, in over 300 cities in all 50 US states in Canada Northern Ireland Australia and Denmark it's amazing. And we're going to be speaking to the founder and director of, of 40 Days for Life, David B. Wright. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that interview. And here's the next question for you is, honestly, what do you think about rap music, Catholic rap music? Um, I don't know, Pedro. I haven't heard a <laughs> lot of Catholic rap music that I've really liked. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people think of Father Stan Fortuna or like Righteous B or, or I guess they have an idea of hip hop. I think you're going to like our featured artist this week, Machete Moses. Uh, he's got a completely different sound. I'd say it's almost like... That's like quite the name. Machete Moses. Uh-huh. And you're going to have to uh, stay tuned to find out why he uses that name. Uh-huh. Um, and you know what? Let's just start with uh, one of his songs. Because I'm sure, Chris, you're going to be dancing here in the studio. Okay. Um, here's Machete Moses with his song, Dusk Till Dawn. Dusk Till Dawn. 
of the three little pigs The lower class makes their house of grass and twigs They live in the third worlds, the ghettos and slums So they don't get protection from the wolf when he comes Now the middle class pig makes his house from wood It's a step above the hood, but way under Hollywood The wolf is waiting, peeping through the cracks He got tired of beating all the Hispanics and blacks So off to Motor City to destroy the blue collar He wants roll currency, so he must destroy the Mason logo on his car He is so mistaken When Satan is awakened He'll say Anton LaVey Bring me some bacon Take their souls And leave their bodies vacant It sounds like this When we're forced to grow up Yes it sounds like this When we feel like giving up And we reach out to the sky Asking why God why Sometimes I wanna die But sometimes I wanna live Wanna live with the purpose Die for a purpose If you're feeling hopeless I'll tell you where the hope is The hope their featured artist this week Machete Moses with Dusk Till Dawn from his album Illumination and singing with him was Natalie Ivnik and Chris we have some new Cardinals we do well Pedro let me take you back to Wednesday morning I woke up at 4.30 a.m. to watch the general audience that's the event when the Pope meets pilgrims Uh, when it's warmer weather he'll meet them in St. Peter's Square the square was filled and everyone expected that the Pope would name some new cardinals. No one knew it for sure, though. It wasn't announced. Right. But all the Vatican watchers said it was going to happen. Sure enough, it did. Uh, right at the end of the event, um, e- even in the embargoed text that they give to journalists, it didn't say that it was going to happen, but it did. Uh-huh. Um, there were 24 new cardinals. Uh-huh. And the cardinals are, are the people who get to vote for the next Pope. Yes. And so they wear, they wear the, the red, uh, the the red, red surgical yeah. garments. Uh, eight of these new cardinals are diocesan archbishop, archbishops, while half of them are Vatican officials. Okay. Um, one of them is a patriarch, and uh, one of the big stories is that ten are Italians, so it was uh-huh. really heavily weighted for Italians. And there are two Americans. Uh-huh. One of them is Archbishop Raymond Burke, 
who works in the Vatican uh -huh. as the prefect of the Apostolic Signatura, mm -hmm. and also Archbishop Donald Worrell, who is the Archbishop of Washington, right. D.C. Some of the other interesting names are um, the Patriarch of the Coptic Church of Alexandria in Egypt. Really? Uh, who's been uh, in the news a lot because he's the Relator General of this Synod of Bishops that's, mm -hmm. that's uh, still going on in the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Also the head of the Congregation for Causes of Saints, the head of what uh, people call the Vatican Supreme Court, the Apostolic Penitentiary, mm -hmm. uh, the head of uh, the Christian Unity uh, Pontifical Council. So a lot of these people who had these major bodies are finally now getting uh, the cardinal title to go along right. with their other title. Right. And uh, another person is Archbishop Gianfranco Ravazzi, who heads the Pontifical Council for Culture. And he's actually going to he's be going speaking to... He's going to be in to, Canada That's next right. Week, yeah. Next week he'll be speaking to the Canadian bishops. Yes. So at their annual meeting. So we'll tell you about that next week. Yes. And so it'll be kind of exciting that he's a new cardinal or he's cardinal designate, I guess yes. you could say. Yeah. Uh, that won't be happening until November 20th mm -hmm. that they get the... Uh, that that actually happens at their mm -hmm. consistory. Now, why was I up at 4.30? I was going to ask this? you because what? Why? Well, one of my colleagues uh, called me a little bit of a nerd for, for doing this. I was watching on Vatican Radio. They have a live feed. But it was because the Archbishop of Toronto was widely predicted to be on this list. Mm -hmm. He even lives in my neighborhood because I live close it's to the parish, cathedral. Yeah. And uh, the Archbishop lives in the residence attached to the cathedral. Mm -hmm. So I, I really thought it would be cool to have a cardinal that you could see at the neighborhood Starbucks or walking down the street. You sometimes yes, see yes, him. Yes. Um, now, the reason why he, he didn't end up getting picked. Um, well, we do already have a cardinal in Toronto. Right. Uh, Aloysius Ambrosic, although he's over 80, so he can't vote in a conclave. You can only vote if you're under 80. And he's also in ill health. But Archbishop Collins is only 63, so people say, well, you know, there's still a lot there's of time, time for the Pope to name him. And traditionally, the Archdiocese of Toronto uh, has a cardinal. Has a cardinal, yes. Okay. Um, right now, uh, however, we only have one cardinal representing a Canadian archdiocese who can vote in a conclave, and that's and uh, that's Cardinal Turcotte of Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. Cardinal Ouellette, as we know, went on to the Vatican to head the Congregation for Bishops. Yes. The spokesperson spokesperson for the Archdiocese acknowledged the rumors saying, you know, there had been many who predicted that our own Archbishop Thomas Collins would be on the list, but it wasn't God's plan at this time. Yes, well, next year. <laughs> next year we hope. Next year, <laughs> next we, year hope. we hope. And uh, and one other thing, Pedro, I mean, yep. there there was some good news this week. We can't pretend like we're, we're all sour here in Toronto because we're still celebrating over the canonization of, of Brother, Brother Andre. Andre and extensive media coverage in Canada throughout this past mm -hmm, week, mm -hmm. which was great to see. A whole new generation getting to know Brother Andre. And it's not over because there's still more celebrations to come. That's right, that's yes. right. Now there's one politician here though who thinks that Australia's party for their own saint, who was made last weekend, Mary McKillop, uh, might have been a little bit bigger. That they might oh, have yeah. partied a little heartier. Those Australians. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mario Silva, he's a federal MP for the Liberal Party. He commended for Australia for how it celebrated Mary McKillop, who was their first mm -hmm. saint. He noted that the Australian Prime Minister watched it live on television, and Mary McKillop's image was illuminated in the Sydney Harbour. Really? And uh, Mario Silva says, I believe uh, we should have done more to commemorate Brother Andre. 
He noted that in 1937, when Brother Andre died, one million people filed past his his coffin. Yes. And to give you an idea that's of what that Twitter. represents, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one third of the population of the province Amazing. of Quebec that Amazing. Brother Andre was from. And he says it is, however, not too late, and he's recommending that uh, Canada issue a postage stamp oh. commemorating his life and canonization. That's so, a great idea. So we'll see if it happens. Yeah, well, great. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Our news correspondent, Chris Dimitrenko, always with some interesting commentary. And uh, don't go anywhere, because coming up is our new segment, Saint of the Week. You're listening to Satellite Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org and our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Mary Rose with our diocesan update. But first... Saint of the Week. And here's Lawrence. Thanks, Pedro. All right, so on Thursday, that's uh, October 28th, we have St. Jude. Okay. So, patron saint, saint of? Of lost, lost causes, causes and uh, desperate situations. Oh, okay. So, he's an apostle. He's one of the 12. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So and he, uh, he shares the feast day with with, uh, with St. Simon, but I want to... Simon, the other apostle. Yeah, but I want to focus on St. Jude because there's um, a very common devotion to St. Jude. Yeah in our society and that's because of his um being the patron of lost causes can i just say that i never realized that he was an apostle oh really yeah like i knew that because sometimes they they judas and they call him judas would they call him judas as well but not as carrot yeah it's it's yeah it's so a Jude, different yeah, yeah it's a different uh my grandmother had a devotion to saint jude oh really yeah that's it. That's it. That's all I can all say. Right. Except I could start singing, hey, Jude. Yeah. But that probably wouldn't go well with our no. listeners. So your grandma probably prayed the Novena to St. Jude, which is what most people pray. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one of the promises that people make in the prayer for the Novena is that they will um, spread further devotion to St. Jude and word of the Novena and you know, spread okay. the word of the gospel. So that more people find out about... And even yeah, and even some some uh, novenas will have specifically spreading it through publications. Okay. So when you go into the classifieds, a lot of times in newspapers you'll see Thanksgiving to really? Saint Jude. Yeah, in the newspaper. Really, I've never seen. Not that I read. I guess that goes to show that I don't read the classifieds. Yeah, that might be good. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good thing. Really, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna you look should, at yeah. the classifieds to yeah, see. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, definitely. Interesting. And I even I looked at a few websites, and some of them. We're saying, oh yeah, give us ten dollars and we'll publish your Thanksgiving or whatever really? on our site. And some of them even went as far as saying, um, without without doing this, like it's not going to work. Ah, uh, then that's so, superstition. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm. I wonder how much of this kind of borders on superstition. You know, and you just gave me an idea. We should ask our listeners to to email us and let us know, yeah. like, if anybody out there has a devotion to Saint Jude mm-hmm. and why. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. And uh, I think that's a great idea. We can talk about that. Maybe someone out there can explain to us this whole idea of why why putting it in the classifieds. I'm, I'm yeah. intrigued by that. That's a neat idea. So St. Jude, uh, patron saint of lost causes. Not your patron saint, clearly, no. Lawrence, because you're not a lost cause. <laughs> um, and the feast day is uh, coming up on Thursday, October 28th. That's right. 
Thank you so much. Lawrence, that's our saint of the week. Um, in the second half of our program, we'll be speaking with 40 Days for Life founder David B. Wright. So don't go anywhere. This is Kyle Hyman from Papua, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159, XM 117. Salt and Light Radio is also heard at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and here now with me is Mary Rose. Thank you, Pedro. We have all a rested, lot. Sorry, all rested after her brother Andre uh, extravaganza. That is true, but it's not over. As you know, October is yes. still the month of brother Andre. I know. Um, that's actually part of the events this, uh, this week. Yes. But first off, the Edmonton Archdiocese. There's a 2010 ecumenical mission in Strathcona County open to everyone with the theme Creation Speaks God. This mission takes place starting tomorrow, October 24th till Wednesday, October 27th. It includes potluck supper, evening services, Bible study, etc. And Our Lady of Perpetual Help Parish in Sherwood Park is one of the nine churches sponsoring this ecumenical mission. So for full details, if you're interested, visit the Edmonton Archdiocesan website. Saskatoon. Now, the Catholic Health Association of Saskatchewan is holding its 67th annual provincial convention in Saskatoon. So starting tomorrow, October 24th, till Tuesday, October 26th, at the Delta Best Borough, you can take part in this convention called What is Our Tomorrow? Living the Compassion of Christ in Healthcare. Check their website, chask.ca, which is chassk.ca, for more information. Now, Toronto, the Archdiocese, is really, really busy this week and had to choose four events. So, here we go. If you're, on, if you're on an ecumenical bent, then this event is for you. The Scarborough Missions Interfaith Education Series is presenting a night to discuss the Jewish-Christian-Muslim encounter. That's Wednesday, October 27th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Scarborough Missions on Kingston Road. Now, the second one, Father Vaughn Quinn. Some of you may be familiar mm-hmm. with Father Vaughn. He's the director of the Courage Apostolate, ministering to gay and lesbian Catholics. He's going to be giving a talk entitled, Is the Church Anti-Gay? So if you want to know, if you have something to say, please join in the discussion. This takes place Friday, October 29th at St. Joseph the Worker Parish from 7.30 to 9 p.m. And you may have heard of John Paul II's Theology of the Body. It's not just for adults or young adults. It's also for toddlers and teens. Really? And so if you want to join in the workshop and find out how you can talk to your toddler about Theology of the Body, then listen to Katrina Zeno, uh, who's giving this talk for all those who work with children. This takes place Saturday, October 30th from 9.30 to 4.30 p.m. at St. Matthew Parish in Oakville. And finally, you may have uh, seen uh, his Episcopal ordination on Salt and Light. One of Toronto's newest bishops is going to give his testimony. Bishop Vincent Nguyen Uh will give a public address called My Spiritual Journey from a Boat Refugee to a Catholic Bishop in Canada. Interesting. So that's Sunday, October 31st at Scarborough Missions from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. And admission is free. So get to know your newest bishop in Toronto. So for all these events, all four of these that that I've just mentioned, go to the Toronto Archdiocesan website. Great. Well, thank you, Mary Rose. Uh, Mary Rose is going to stick around. We're going to continue with... uh, Sorry, she's going to stick around because she's going (laughs) to come back and talk about uh, uh, something that was happening to celebrate the whole country. Yes, Yes. so don't go anywhere. And remember to tell us what's happening in your diocese. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. 
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. And Lawrence will be back shortly with our programming news. But first, Mary Rose is still here with some news about an amazing event that took place last weekend. Yes, if you were watching our canonization coverage last weekend, you would have met Laura Laura Urachi. Yes. She's a journalist with the Catholic Press in Canada and has been so for the past nine years. Currently, she is the web editor for the Archdiocese of Montreal and has been following the local events there related to the canonization of Brother Andre. And you would have seen her and heard her at St. Joseph's Oratory last weekend because of the canonization mass celebrations. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to follow up with her after her long nap from the weekend a few days ago. Hey, Laura, good to hear from you a week, almost a week after the canonization of Brother Andre. Now, last weekend, you were not in Rome, but you were in Montreal covering the canonization celebrations. Can you share with me your most memorable moments? Mary Rose, uh, there were lots of memorable moments. I guess, I guess <laughs> the climax was when the Pope uh, officially declared Brother Andre a saint, and um, as well the moments before that when the biography of uh, Brother Andre was being read. I was in the crypt church, and the people there were um, applauding spontaneously. They were thrilled. Um, you could see the joy on their faces. It was a high point for, for everybody there. Um, I think as well the, the response of Montrealers to the canonization mass, I don't even think the organizers were expecting that many people to come out, given that you know it was a live broadcast at 4 a.m., um, there were 1,500 people in the crypt church, and people uh, had to be uh, turned away and were led up to the basilica, <laughs> where they listened to the mass on the audio feed. Um, and in the crypt church, it was it was so tight. I mean, every single space was filled from the altar rail right up until uh, right up to the the back doors. Um, and it was like that pretty much for the whole night, as, as you may know the. Uh, the uh, whole weekend uh, in preparation for the canonization began with a mass the night before, mm. and then there was a, a, a vigil, a six-and-a-half-hour prayer vigil. And I have to say that I was surprised that the crowd re- didn't thin at all. It was There were a thousand people in the crypt tr- church throughout the entire night. And I was speaking with um, one of the sisters from the monastic fraternity of Jerusalem. She was uh, leading prayer at 2.30 in the morning. And uh, when I spoke with her at 3.30, she said, I can't believe it. I didn't think that there'd be a thousand people at this time in, in the morning for prayer. But they were there, faithful, throughout the entire night. Now, you're expecting uh, 50 times the number, I'm sure, for the events at the end of this month. Can you talk about that? At the end of this month, we're going to be having a grand celebration at the Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Um, I was told capacity for that event is 54,000 people. We've sold more than 40,000 tickets so far, and um, I think organizers are are expecting to hit uh, hit 54,000. I think we're we're expecting the the stadium to be filled. And um, it's a two-hour mass starting at 2 p.m. It'll be presided by the uh, Cardinal Archbishop of Montreal, Cardinal Jean-Claude Turcotte. We're expecting uh, many dignitaries and and bishops from across North America. We've been told that uh, there are bishops who will be coming from the United States, or we'll be sending representatives, because, as you know, Brother Andre's um, appeal, uh, you know, spreads into, extends into the United States. Mm-hmm. He has family there and had worked there for a short period in, in his life, uh, and when he was in his youth. Um, so there are people who are, com- who are coming in from across North America for this event. Perfect. Thank you so much, Laura. That was Laura Urachi from the Archdiocese of Montreal, 
talking about the October 30th celebration at the Olympic Stadium. As she mentioned, tickets are still available on the Archdiocese of Montreal website, diocesemontreal.org, or on the website of St. Joseph's Oratory, st-joseph.org. That's S-A-I-N-T-joseph.org. Tickets are $5 each and can be purchased directly online, admission.com. Great. So that is uh, a great event that's coming up next weekend. And coming up in the second half of Salt and Light Radio is our featured artist, Machete Moses. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Janelle, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius 159 or XM 117. Radio at saltandlighttv.org. That's our email, and saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where you can find us. And here back with us is Lawrence with uh, our programming news. All right, so tomorrow, Sunday, October 24th, we have the Papal Mass for the closing of the Synod of Bishops on the Middle East. So that's the closing Mass. That's right, and that we'll have that live at 3.30 a.m. Eastern. some god-awful hour in the yeah. morning. Okay. So I've decided that <laughs> most people can't get up for that, so no, we'll repeat Tranko. it. No, except Tranko. Yeah. Tranko yeah. was just telling us he was Chris up. Uh, yeah, but not us. Okay. No. So we'll repeat that at 10 a.m. Eastern. So okay. that's 7 a.m. Pacific. Okay, great. So that's the closing mass for the for the uh, Synod of Bishops in the Middle East. Uh, and then we have a, a new focus, brand new focus on Thursday, Okay. October 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific. That's hosted by our very own Mary Rose Bacani. Yeah. And uh, this one's on remembering Brother Andre. So nice. we just had the canonization, and so now we're going to have a focus. And it's basically testimonies by those people who have been touched by brother andre nice yeah no I, maybe our listeners especially the ones who are in the states do not appreciate the the, the extent of the impact yeah. that not just the life of brother andre has had but the canonization yeah. um in uh, in canada so that's that's great so that's when's that's so on thursday that's on thursday this thursday october 28th at 7 p.m eastern 8 pacific great and so uh we're also re-airing two of our series uh openings Mm-hmm. And I on the Church. Uh-huh. So I on the Church, produced by David Nellieri. Yeah. And that's going to be on Sundays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 Pacific. Um, tomorrow, Sunday the 24th, that episode is on Pope Benedict, Radical Islam, and the West. Excellent episode. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Definitely an, yes. a great episode. And yes. it's perfect for finishing up the Synod. Too. Yes. Great. And so that's Sunday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 Pacific. Okay, so that's Eye on the Church. All right, and now we have... Um, the, the very best series that we have. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. <laughs> Openings. <laughs> Openings. Uh, Thursdays, uh, October... Well, this, this episode is going to be on Thursday, October 28th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. And it's on Steve Agrizano. Yeah, okay. So Openings is our concert series. And I, I can speak about it with uh, with uh, with uh, uh, authority because I produce it. Right. Um, it's our concert series, and Steve Angrisano, our listeners should remember because he's actually has been a, a, ra- a guest on Salt and Light Radio. He's a very well known singer yeah. songwriter in the in the United States. Steve Angrisano. So if you want to see Steve in action, openings and evening with Steve Angrisano. So that'll be on Thursday. Thursday. October and now 20th. every Thursday you're going to be airing. Yeah, openings. that's the plan. Okay. On Thursdays. Uh, 8.30. 8.30 p.m. And I on the Church will be Sundays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Okay, right. great. So two great series from Salt and Light Television. And we're also uh, hoping to get some new episodes of uh, I on the Church and Openings yes. set up for when 
the old stuff is yes coming down the pipes some new uh, some new new episodes so look for that and um, remember if you're outside of our programming area you can still watch our programs they're all online streaming live saltandlighttv.org so thank you Lawrence Uh, thank you for those updates and uh, that's it for the first half of Salt and Light Radio stay tuned for David B. Wright founder of the 40 Days for Life and our featured artist Machete Moses Hello and welcome to part two of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Now listen to this. Prayer, silence, and fasting. Not very exciting, right? Abortion, not something people want to talk about? Well, check it out. Over 350,000 people in all 50 U.S. states, Canada, Australia, Northern Ireland, and Denmark have joined in for this. More than 11,500 church congregations have participated. More than 850 news stories have been featured in newspapers, magazines, radio shows, and TV programs. Five abortion facilities have been shut down because of it. 35 abortion workers have quit their jobs because of it. And it's reported that 2,811 lives have been saved from abortion. That's the 40 Days for Life campaign. And to tell us all about it, we are joined now by the founder and national director of 40 Days for Life, David B. Wright. David, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Oh, Pedro, thank you so much for having me on today. Okay, so it's not, I'm, I'm hoping that most of our listeners are familiar with 40 Days for Life, but they might not know how it started. I, I was even surprised that it's really only been three years. It seems like it's been going on forever. It's like such a part of our lives. So how did it start? Well, 40 Days for Life really began, Pedro, with just one simple thing, and that was an hour of prayer. And some people think that, oh, we're just kind of exaggerating that. No, it really was an hour of prayer. It was a day back in the late summer of 2004 uh-huh. when a good friend of mine, Sean Carney, his wife, Mary Lee, right. who I worked with in local pro-life efforts, yeah. another young lady, we were frustrated because we had a local abortion facility in the town where we lived in Texas, and the abortion numbers were nearing 2,000 since that facility had opened. And we were just devastated because we didn't know what to do to stop this tragedy. And so out of frustration, we realized since we didn't have the answer, we needed to look to a different source for the answer. Uh And so literally around an old wooden table, we spent one hour in focused prayer asking God to show us what we could do to help bring an end to this tragedy. I always warn people now from my experience, be careful when you pray those kind of prayers because God really will answer them many times. So from that hour, the first thing that we really felt convicted about was that we needed to do something for the time frame of 40 days. And when we read throughout biblical history, we see over right. and over again that time frame is yeah. incredibly significant. Yeah. You know, think about Moses was uh, you know out uh, in the wilderness for uh, on years. Mount Sinai yeah. yes, for 40 days, yes. or Noah was on the ark for 40 days, or Jesus was out the, yep. uh, on his own for 40 days prior to beginning his public ministry. Mm-hmm. Many times God uses that time frame to bring about transformation. And when we look at our world today, when we look at the abortion crisis in Canada, across the United States, around the world, we recognize that we are really in a crisis and we need transformation. So that was where the 40-day time frame came from. And then still during that hour of prayer, the three things that we felt led to do, number one was to pray and fast for an end to abortion. 
Mm-hmm. Prayer because we know that with God all things are possible, mm-hmm. and fasting because we know that some demons can only can be driven only, out through yes. prayer and fasting. Yes. Secondly was the constant vigil outside of these abortion facilities where lives are at risk, because that is where we go to save lives. You know, We go to where they're at the greatest risk to intercede and to try to save lives, and many times people quietly praying outside of these places, that is enough to bring about a change of heart in a young woman who's about to make the worst decision of her life, a decision for abortion. And many times she will choose life because people are praying there. And the third and final thing during that hour of prayer we felt led to do was conduct grassroots outreach, spreading this sanctity of life message to everybody we could, friends and family and Mm -hmm. fellow believers going door to door, speaking in churches and schools, whatever we could to spread the word. That hour of prayer was what launched that first 40 Days for Life campaign, just an independent effort in that one Texas town, and then as you cited, now this effort has spread uh, across all 50 American states, six Canadian provinces, multiple other countries, and we're just in awe at what God has accomplished. So, but that you had you had that that first local campaign in 2004 in yep. Texas. How did? But the first major national campaign was 2007. That's correct. When we did that first one in 04, we were absolutely exhausted when it finished. We had seen over a thousand people get involved. Abortions were reduced in that town by 28 percent. But we had just felt like we climbed Mount Everest and and down again, <laughs> yeah. and just felt that we could we couldn't do it again. And thought nobody else would be crazy enough to do this. But one by one, other cities began to duplicate what they had seen from College Station, Texas. Okay. And they saw similar results. So it was in the fall of 2007 that we finally said, gee, God's doing something here. Maybe we should join him in the work that he's doing. Let's coordinate. And that was when yeah. we organized the first national and now international 40 Days for Life. Right. Okay. Just a note for anyone that might be joining at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with David B. Wright. He's the uh, founder and national director of the 40 Days for Life uh, campaign. Pain. Now, David, how did you, I mean, you obviously were already doing pro-life work before 2004 when, when you had your little prayer session. So how did you get involved? It's a great question. I never really wanted to be involved. I was raised in a <laughs> Nobody Christian does. home that uh, never talked about abortion. The church I grew up in never mentioned abortion. And it wasn't until I met my now wife, Margaret, of 18 years that she started talking to me about being raised in a Catholic family down in South Texas where they, every weekend, would go out and pray outside of abortion facilities in Corpus Christi, and they saw one by one these different facilities start closing until eventually they were all gone. And when she shared that with me, I was a little bit convicted, but I thought, you know, I don't know, I don't want to get involved. And then that Planned Parenthood abortion facility opened in the town I lived in, in College Station, Texas. And so I started first to volunteer with Margaret, my wife, And then over time, we just really felt convicted this is what we were supposed to do. And so it was in 2001 that I resigned my job in the business world. I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, Uh and I just really felt convicted that, you know, one day I'm going to have to answer to my children and ultimately to God about what I did or didn't do to respond to our call to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. So I quit my job, and we've been working full-time in the pro-life movement since 2001. How do you find, as a man... I sometimes feel that, that I, 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 it's thrown in my face. Well, it's, I, I don't have a say because I'm a man, right. and this is a woman's issue. How, how, do you, uh, how do you deal with that one? Well, the first thing I always come back to is, number one, every child I've ever met has both a mother and a father. father. So every child conceived in the womb, made in God's image and likeness, there was a man involved in that. And so men are equally as affected by abortion. The number two thing I think about is the overwhelming majority of abortionists are men. And the pro-abortion movement that is always trying to say men should stay out of this, never tell that to all these male abortionists who are doing these abortions in these facilities across our countries. The third and final thing is I have met so many men who have been abandoned to lives of regret. They 
father to child that ultimately was destroyed through abortion, mm-hmm. and it devastated them, sometimes mm-hmm. emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And I've met many, many men who have been devastated by an abortion experience. This is a crisis, a human rights crisis that affects every member of the human family, mm-hmm. and we all have a responsibility in standing up and speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. Right, right. Um, you mentioned earlier that some demons can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. Right. And I, I, I mean, I, I love that. I think it's a, it's a, <laughs> that's a mission right there. But is abortion? I mean, when we, abortion, the demon of abortion, is that a, an accurate um, representation? You know, why does abortion require such a mobilization? Well, the first thing we have to recognize is that abortion, at its root, this is a spiritual crisis. Um, you know, when you think about biblical history, we realize that any time you destroy the life of an innocent person, that is an affront to God. That is why one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. That is something very foundational. We also know that from the very beginning, God has said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And he talks about how every child is made in his image and likeness. So God does not accept abortion, and we have to recognize that undermining all of this, it's a spiritual crisis. I have seen so many things as I've been in former abortion facilities where I've met people who are spiritually devastated by an abortion experience to know that at its root, this is a spiritual struggle, and therefore we must first and foremost combat it with spiritual weapons. And prayer and fasting are at the forefront of those things. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, Pedro, that the first time I ever fasted was during that 40 Days for Life back in 2004. Really? I had never fasted in my life, really? but yet I knew in Scripture that was something we were supposed to do as believers. Uh-huh. And during that campaign, I thought, oh, I'm going to get involved, and we're going to transform the world through our fasting. What I didn't know is that through my fasting, I would be transformed. Yes. And God would use that time to change me, and then through that, then he would begin to transform the world around us. Right. So sometimes God uses prayer and fasting to get to us first mm-hmm. and then to the world around us. Interesting. That's great to remember. David, that's all the time we have, but I know that you, you're busy traveling around the country. The campaign is going on right now, and uh, so you're going to be in Canada yes. November 5th. Uh, in Ontario for the Halton Pro-Life fundraiser. So I'd like to just invite any of our listeners who are in that area, the Halton region in Ontario, Hamilton, Oakville, Burlington, even Toronto, they can go out. If you want to hear David speak, uh, you can find out more at the Halton Pro-Life website, haltonprolife.com. David's going to be there November 5th at the Halton Pro-Life fundraiser. David, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to finally connect with you and, and meet you on the phone and to have you on the program. Well, keep, thank you so much, Pedro. God work. bless you and your vital work. You too. too. Thank you very much. Um, the current 40 Days for Life campaign began on September 22nd, and it continues until October 31st. And to find out if it's taking place uh, in your city or anywhere near you, check out their website, 40daysforlife.com. So that's the number 4040daysforlife.com. Um, in Canada, it's taking place in Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Moncton, Halifax, Ottawa, Sudbury, and Perth, Ontario, and in Montreal. Um, so hopefully you can uh, go out, check it out, support it. If you can't find a location near you, you can always sit around your table and pray and fast because you don't need to be in front of the abortion facility to pray and fast. So uh, hopefully everybody can join in. And we like to hear from you. Write to us. Tell us what your experience with the 40 Days for Life is or any experiences with any pro-life campaign. Tell us what you think. Write to us at radio at saltandlighttv.org. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Machete Moses, with a song that he wrote to his daughter, an imaginary daughter, before she is born. The song is called Sunshine. 
This song is for my unborn daughter. I want her to know her daddy loved her before she was even born, just like her heavenly father. Years from now, she will hear this song and know that it's true. Baby, I love you. Listening to Salt and Light Radio, heard on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And that was just Machete Moses with Sunshine from his album Illumination. Now, about eight years ago, I met a young man, Art Caballero, Arturo Caballero, who was traveling with and helping out uh, another Catholic singer-songwriter, Sal Solo. Um, so we met this kid. He's a good kid. And I never thought more about it. Until this year, I'm in Calgary for the Unity Awards, and there's this guy, a rap artist by the name of Machete Moses, and it's art, <laughs> and his stuff is really good. And you know, so much has gone by in the last eight years. He's now in ministry. He's studied counseling and theology. He goes to youth conferences, and today he's on Salt and Light Radio. So welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Machete Moses. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, I don't know if I should call you Art or Machete. I think I'm going to call you Art, just because I can say that I knew you before. 
Um, that sounds good. That's fine. But everybody wants to know what's up with the name. So Machete Moses, what is that? What, what's that all about? Well, uh, when I decided to, you know, start doing rap full time, every rapper needs a cool rap name. So <laughs> I came up with a bunch of uh, corny names, and it just never seemed to stick. So I decided to pray about it because I started noticing a pattern in the Bible where every time, you know, one of the people that God uses um, in a big way has like an encounter with God, a lot of times God will change their name. You will no longer be called this, you will be called that. He did it with a few people in the Bible, so I'm like, well, that'll be easy. Instead of picking out a name, how about I have God pick me out a name? So <laughs> okay. I asked God to give me a name, um, and one day, you know, about a week later after my prayer, I was walking out of a movie theater, and it just hit me like nobody's business. It was just, bam, Machete Moses right there in my head. I, there was no doubt. I just felt like this like excitement and i just knew that that was my name so then i started introducing myself as that and people wanted to know so i was thinking well why exactly if god gave me this name why did he give it to me you know he gave um you know uh called peter the rock because you know on this church he was going to build it so why did he call me machete and i think a machete is a tool that you use in jungles to cut down branches to cut down trees grass and just clear a path it's a tool to clear a path so right that's what the machete is, you know, with the music. Uh, I touched on a lot, a lot of different topics that need to be addressed that sometimes um, the church is afraid to talk about or whatever. Yeah. Um, I do address them, and I cut down um, stuff from a biblical point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the machete is about. And the Moses is, um, you know, God used Moses um in a, in a very big way to help deliver people out of um, slavery and stuff. And hopefully with my music, um, you know, it can open up some people's eyes and stuff. Right, also, okay. Moses wasn't the most perfect guy in the world, and neither am I. So, right, right. But God is still willing to use me and anybody else that says yes. Right. Okay, but you spell machete differently than, uh, you know, it's not machete, the tool. So why did you, you spell it with S-H-E-T-I, machete? Uh Unfortunately, there's not a cool story behind that whatsoever. I just didn't know how to spell it. So when the first time I used that name and they wanted uh, me to design the flyer, I spelled the M-A-S-H-E-T-I. Oh, okay, that's good. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> Machete. Okay, all right. So um, now I... I uh, I love the fact, and in fact, I should maybe tell our listeners that it was you who recognized me. I, I looked at you when we, I saw you in Calgary, and I thought, this guy looks familiar, but Machete Moses, I've never heard of this. Um, and so when we realized that it was through Sal Solo that I had met you like eight years ago, you must have been quite young. I, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know how old you are now, but I, I would think that you were in your teens when that was. Yeah, um, I think I was probably... 18 years old. Yeah, so you're um, quite young, and you, but you were following around, not, I don't know if you were following him around, but you were like working and uh, helping out Sal Solo. When did you get involved? Like, why, why is an 18-year-old helping out a Catholic music guy? Like, where did, when did that happen in your life? Well, uh, I started getting involved in my church when I was um, about 17 years old, and somebody uh, that went to that church happened to know Sal Solo. Okay. And... Sal Solo at the, at the time was making a promotional video for his ministry, so he had a bunch of uh, different kids from different youth groups and the diocese come out to this promotional video thing. So um, uh, I met him, and he, 
he was real friendly so we exchanged emails and and uh, I was running a youth group at the time so he was still living in the in in England so he would come like right. once a month for a concert and stuff so whenever he was in Chicago I'd ask him to come to my youth group and maybe talk or maybe right. give me some advice and stuff so we started developing a, a, a friendship that way through email and then I was a senior in high school. I was about to graduate. I didn't really think I wanted to go to college. I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. Um, and I just asked them, hey, um, I kind of want to do something. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do something like what you're doing, huh. where you're ministering to young people and stuff. Is there any... Basically, I asked them to mentor me, and he said, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, um, as soon as I graduated, I had moved out. My parents moved to Florida and stuff, and I tra started traveling with him all over the states and then after that um i got a passport and i started traveling to him with him with to him other countries abroad. like india what a, and what a great opportunity i mean you know it's funny we've never had sal on the program but sal solo is uh, what a great opportunity to have that that kind of mentorship um just to know for anyone that might be tuning in at this time you're listening to salt and light radio i'm i'm pedro and we're speaking with our our, our featured artist this week is machete moses uh, so uh, clearly, y y you had, there was a big impact in your life when you were still young. You were involved in your youth group. So, would you say that that's why you feel a special connection to working with uh, that age group, working with youth, or would you say that you that you don't have that focus of working with youth? No, I definitely, definitely like working with youth. I mean, if I wouldn't have, if somebody, if God hadn't have used somebody. Um, in my life when I was young to have a big impact on me, I don't know where I would have wound up. I mean, I could have, I was, I could wind up like a junkie. I could wind up like a, like a drug addict somewhere. Um, and with my history and my past and upbringing, I could have very easily ended up like that. So, um, so I, I definitely think reaching young people is, is, is important and it's definitely my calling because so and the, uh, the choices they're making like in high school and stuff are definitely gonna uh, influence the rest of their lives so the music i mean the fact that it's rap music or, or hip-hop um is very specific i mean obviously that's the music that 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 speaks to you but yeah. do you think that that's the best way to reach that that age group or a particular that particular population yeah um that i don't really see um yeah, I'm, I don't really do rap a, as a tool. I mean, I think it's just convenient that I'm young and that's the music that I listen to, so that's the music right. that I, I do. So I'm not really. It's just the music I love. When I'm when I'm when I'm angry, I need to vent or something. I'm gonna go put on headphones and I'm gonna start writing lyrics to like a new beat that I have. You know, that's how I vent. So it's just very very natural for me. Yeah, uh, I'd, be, I'd be rapping whether I was doing it in front of people or not. I'd be rapping in my room. So it's just very easy. Yeah, the way I see it is, if you want God to use you, really use you, just use your gift for yourself, Him. And yeah. that's, that's all it is. It's just a gift God gave me. Yeah. So I'm giving it back. Now, uh, can I just say, because I think the people who maybe are not used to listening to hip-hop or rap might have an idea of what that what that sounds like but you're I love your your style and your sound that song that we just heard sunshine I love that yeah. because I I would it, it's more poetry to me almost spoken word than rap uh, so um, I, I I love that I think you I think you are touching on something uh, most people when 
I'm actually a little embarrassed to tell people, what do you do? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian rapper, because right away there's so much associations with, yeah. with rap music. And then Christian rap, like, what? how does that even work? Yeah. Um, and then not just that, um, the actual sound of the music. Um, my music actually doesn't sound very urban. It's, it actually sounds like more like music. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's orchestras in it. There's choruses. Yeah. There's Blue. singing. Yeah. There's real instruments. Um, and it can have a rock element. It can have, I mean, it's not your... I have a lot, a lot of people at every concert, older people, even grandmas come up to me and be like, I don't like rap music, but I really like your stuff. And the one thing that I always get is I can understand all your lyrics, yeah. which is something that I definitely, definitely have practiced and practiced uh, uh, throughout the years to make sure that everybody yeah. understands every word. Because a lot of times you go to a rap concert, and unless you own the CD and know the music, yeah. you will not understand a single word they're saying. Exactly, exactly, and that's important. Listen, you have two albums, I Am Art and Illumination, which is the, the album uh, of the songs that we're listening to. Do any, anything, anything coming down the pipes for you? You're working on anything new? Um, you know, I'm always working on new stuff. I'm always uh, recording songs that will hopefully, but when it's time to release the next album, um, you know, they'll be good enough to make it on there. I usually write, I write a lot of songs and I only pick the best, best, best ones. Right, to of course. The album. Of course. But, uh, yeah, this, this last project um, was done all in 10 months and um, nice. it just came out. So I, I think I'm going to take a little break from thinking <laughs> too hard about the feature. This album's got a lot of life in it. Yeah, so. no, it's good. And I, I know you, you worked on the, the video for Revelation Song, so maybe we can have a couple more videos. That would be great. Listen, if, yeah. when, you, when you have the next album, make sure you let us know and we'll have you back on the show. Or if you're ever back in Canada, let us know and we can have you back on the show. Okay, Art? Awesome. Yeah, It thank was you. great having you, great talking to you, and uh, great uh, reconnecting with you again in Calgary. Awesome. You too. So Machete Moses, our featured artist of the week. You can check him out and purchase his music at machetemoses.com. Just remember the spelling M-A-S-H-E-T-I Moses, machetemoses.com. But we'll put that link up on our webpage as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is Machete Moses with his song, Revelation Song, from the same album, Illumination. And the beautiful female voice singing the refrain is Natalie Ivnik. My heart is broken, it's been a long time since you last have spoken I'm hoping for a little hand, cause I'm barely coping My sin is smoking, about to cause a fire that causes croaking How long can I live like this? Falling even deeper than I thought in this abyss And good times are worse than the bad times When I go and reminisce about everything I love Nothing left but the cross, my chest is tied and I can barely breathe I never really thought I could feel such grief Dire desert, thousand degrees Send me to water, you made all the seas But all I really need is one touch of your love Woman with the issue, she pushed and she shoved She was desperate, now I'm desperate Got a death threat from my past, I regret Don't know how much I can take, I'm in the belly of the snake And just when I thought there's no hope You healed my heart's brain
of the song Listen closely for it won't be long Before the fireplace eyes look upon The weeds of the earth that don't belong The one that was God, the one that is God We're listening to Revelation Song by Machete Moses from his album Illumination. And that brings us to the end of this week's Salt and Light Radio. If you missed any part of this broadcast or want to listen to any Salt and Light Radio program, remember that we archive all our shows. Just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can listen to them there or you can download them. Salt and Light Radio is part of the Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation dedicated to bring light to the world through media. We are a charity and we rely on your support. If you like what you hear on this program, please visit our website, saltandlighttv.org, to see how you can help us continue our ministry. Thank you for listening. That's all for today. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.